0: Welcome, this is Empowered, Bold Topics for Bold Christians. This program is brought to you today by LLT Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network. I am your host, L'Oreal Thames. I'm an author and a speaker. This ministry is passionate about equipping believers to walk in victory and empowerment. Today's topic is Ten Destructive Doctrines. There are ten doctrines within the body of Christ, within Christianity as a whole, that it misguides believers, and it divides and hurts believers because it's it's a ploy by the enemy, Satan, to divide and conquer. You know, it's a plague within the church, and it hurts your effectiveness in your walk on a minor scale, and on a major scale, it can you can lose your faith and maybe even lose your salvation altogether. First Timothy four seven says, four one says, the Spirit clearly says that in the last days course, that's the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. These doctrines pervert the plan of salvation. And like I said before, the enemy uses it to divide and conquer us. The first, number one, the first destructive doctrine is women can't teach or preach. And that's really sad to hear that because it actually became popular within the 16th century through John Calvinism. Uh, You know, God is no respecter of persons and this is a gender prejudiced to say the least. You know it hinders the Great Commission and uh, Mark 16:15 talks about that. It says, "He said to them, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So the key word is all. That's the thing you need to, it's for everyone that has been saved. It's part of the Great Commission. Like I said, it hinders the Great Commission. And in Galatians three twenty eight it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave or free, nor is there male or female, for you were all one in Christ Jesus. See, God doesn't look at you as male or female. You're just one. You're all the same in the body of Christ. That's where people misinterpreted the scriptures. You know, there's uh, with women preaching, that fulfills Joel 2.28 prophecy. And even in Acts 2, verses 17 and 18, it says the same thing. It says, In the last days... God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's all people, male or female. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will have visions and your old men will dream dreams. See, it it, it says all flesh, people, everyone. That's how it's important. It is. And, you know, just to hear people say, well, women can't preach or teach. Well, you know, the Bible talks about prophets. Uh, Prophetess, a woman prophet, would appear six times in the Old Testament and two times in the New Testament. And God says, do my prophets no harm. You know, they uh, edify the body, they preach, they teach. That's what it talks about. Uh, The definition of a prophet or prophetess is a woman who speaks for God by divine inspiration. They preach, they teach, and they're evangelist. A spokesperson for doctrines, causes, or movements. See how important it is? It just, just it's mind-boggling that people just live like that. They just really don't study the Bible and dig down deep enough to realize this. Oh, and another thing is, uh, you can read about Deborah in Judges 4-4. Miriam was a prophet. It's Exodus fifteen twenty. And, you know, Deborah was not only a prophetess, she was a warrior, and she was also a judge, which... Uh, had authority over men and women. So, this, uh, the scripture in 1 Corinthians thirty four thirty five is a call to order. It's been misinterpreted. It's sad that people don't read the Bible because you have to read it line on line, precept on precept, and so it's got to be confirmed all the way through the scripture to be true. And I did a little study on this. And the Jewish uh, perspective on this talked about in those days when people would go to church, a so-called church, the men would be on one side, the women would be on the other. And the men could read and study the Bible more than the women could. Most of the women couldn't read. So when the uh, preacher was talking and the wife would say, well, what is he saying? What is he talking about? Well, then the husband would scream across the church and so it would cause disruption. It would just cause a total disruption. so that is what I was talking about, a call to order. First Timothy 2:12 is dealing with a particular problem that happened in that time. When you go against women, you're fighting against God. And, you know, I would not want to be somebody, especially a man, well, even some women are guilty of this, and stand before the Lord and and have to answer why I wouldn't let this woman in my church to preach or teach or why I talk bad about it. Because, you know, that keeps people from reaching other people. And it's just, it's wrong. It's just, it's just wrong. Well, we'll go to the next de- destructive doctrine. And that is, number two, that it is God's will that I be sick. Well, you know, that's not true because God says by his stripes, we were healed. That's past tense. You know, uh, Jesus took, Uh, all of our sicknesses and diseases on the whipping post. And why would you want to accept sickness? Because it is God's will that you be in good health and prosper as your soul prospers. You know, uh, I've told this story before, but there was a, a deaf woman that worked in this church, and I got invited to the church, and I went. And I went a couple of times. The first time I went, I met her. She was real nice. And she took care of the children. And I found out she was deaf in one ear and she was going deaf in the other. And after I left church, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, she's such a nice lady. Wouldn't it be wonderful if she could get healed? And the Holy Spirit said, well, why don't you pray for her? Because, we, you know, God would love to heal her. So I got excited and I went back to church. And uh, after the service, I I walked up to her and I said, I said, uh, the Holy Spirit's kind of directed me to pray for you. And tonight would be a night for you to be healed. You could get your hearing back. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And she looked at me and she says, well, I think God wants me to be this way. Well, you know, it really just broke my heart because I feel like that she had been lied to and she had been taught a destructive doctrine. And it kept her from being healed because God wanted to heal her that very day. You know, another person was uh, hurt by this destructive doctrine. And that was a lady one time, this young lady was coming down the stairs and she fell, she slipped and fell and she broke her leg. And some ladies from the church came over later and uh, she goes, oh, I broke my leg, oh... And the elderly lady says, well, you know, God must have been trying to teach you a lesson. You know, that's appalling because uh, God is not a child abuser. God's not trying to teach you a lesson by hurting you. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Well, here's another uh, destructive doctrine. This is number three. That God doesn't do signs and wonders and miracles today. That was for the Bible days. It doesn't happen today. But well, you know, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. You know, you can't put God in a box because He's just too big for that. It You know, you have lack of faith. And you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It limits and prevents miracles. And you know, if you... Don't believe, you won't receive. And there's a lot of people that don't believe in miracles because they haven't seen them. And maybe they haven't seen them because they need to believe in them. When they need to go to a church, change your church. If your church don't believe in miracles and moves of the Spirit, you're, living, you're going to a dead church. You need to go to a church where people are getting saved every Sunday, where people uh, miracles are happening, where the Holy Spirit is moving. Oh, it's so, so wonderful. Absolutely. I mean, you cannot wait to get in those doors because it is so exciting. Uh, I kid you not, it is so, so exciting. The fourth destructive doctrine is bishops and priests cannot be married. You know, there's nowhere in the Bible does it say this. You know, it promotes sin, it leaves the door open for sexual sin, and it's just not biblical. Uh... I'll even read the scriptures that backs that. It's 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1, 2, and 9. You see me? See here? i got to find it. Okay. Verse 1 says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man to not touch a woman. Now hang in there with me. It gets better. Verse 2 says, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man... Have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. And verse 9, this is a clincher. But if they cannot contain, and they're talking about their fleshly desires, let them marry. Why? Because it is better to marry than to burn. Well, we don't want to go to hell just because we might uh, get a nurse here and there. So you're be better off to just get married. Than to, than to fornicate, to have sex out of marriage. And the bad part about it is uh, some people can't fight the temptations. You know, it leads uh, to uh, pedophilia. It leads to homosexuality within the Catholic Church. And you know, there's a scripture in the Bible in Job that talks about, because usually preachers and priests, they have a hedge of protection around them if they're legitimate and they're living the right kind of life. But this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, when there's a crack in the hedge, the serpent will bite you. So see, you open the door to the enemy and there's a crack when you do those things that you shouldn't do. Now the fifth destructive doctrine is purgatory and i'm sorry i'm not picking on the catholic church it's just one of these doctrines that it's just it's just not true nowhere in the bible does it say this the bible says once to die you're once to die and then judgment you know it's a money based thing uh where the church is uh, robbing families that are grieving Uh, of money, it's a false sense of security, and uh, this is what, you know, this right here tells it all, you know, even mobsters have paid millions of dollars to the church to pray them out of purgatory when they die. You know, you can't pray yourself out of hell, I mean, I'm sorry, you can't buy yourself out of hell, and you can't buy yourself into heaven, and you know, purgatory, there's no holding area. And like I said, I'm not saying anything bad about Catholics. Uh, you know, they, There's a lot of great Catholics that love the Lord, that are going to heaven, and I don't have a problem with that. It's the doctrine that I have an issue with. Now, here's another one that I've heard all my life. This is number six. It's another destructive doctrine, and it's the once saved, always saved doctrine. You know, it gives a person a false sense of security, because there's no accountability and repentance with it. You know, in the Bible, there's over 25 verses that are about that address backslidden person, a backslidden state. First Corinthians 10:12 says, uh, "Let me find it." Okay, take heed lest you fall. Psalms sixty nine twenty eight says, Let their names be taken from the book of life. May they be blotted out of the book of life. See, your name can be blotted out. That's so serious. You can backslide. So to say, well, I got saved when I was a kid, and so I can do what I want, and I'm still getting saved. It's just not true. And I even knew this person years ago that had a drug problem. He was sitting there in a chair with the syringe in his arm. And I knew he grew up in the church. I knew he had a Christian background. And I said, as a child, and I said, what if Jesus comes while you're sitting there with the needle in your arm? He said, oh, I'm not worried about it because I'm going to heaven because I got saved as a child. Once saved, always saved. That's just crazy. That you think that you can live like the devil, you can live a self-centered, selfish life, and get to heaven. You know, it's 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 just it's crazy because you know you're supposed to uh, check yourself every day. Your salvation through fear and trembling, and that's important. That's important that you do that. And there's scriptures that talks about conditions. It's conditional. we'll talk about that too right here. Uh, Mark 13:13 13, 13 talks about, "And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved." And Mark 24:13 says, "But he that endures to the end shall be saved." You know, the enemy would love for you to believe that lie because you would miss heaven. You would probably lose your faith or you would just live the way you wanted to, and, and but you wouldn't make it. Because think about it. The big word, the conditional word is if. If you run the race, if you weather the storm, if you fall from your faith, if you don't fall from your faith, if you endure to the end. See? People don't want to add the if there. You know, you have to live a righteous life. And it's more than just belief, because even the demons in hell believe. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to give your life to the Lord. And let Him do with you as He wishes. That's what it is. And, you know, it's so important that you do that. It's all about relationship. Okay, the seventh uh, destruction uh, doctrine that we have here is there is no rapture. There is no rapture doctrine. Well, you know uh, they like to say that it was a that uh, that Darby started it in 1830 A.D. and that's a lie, because it goes all the way back to Josephus, the Jewish historian, 66 A.D. and even a Roman historian, Tacitus. It's been around. It's a doctrine. It's not a theory. And this is another ploy for the enemy. To have time to destroy your faith. You know, you're you're not going to live a sanctified life if you think you've got plenty of time. You know, the Bible says that, that Jesus will come as a thief in the night. That's what He says. He will come as a thief in the night. And so, then that means you don't know when He comes. You will not know the day or the hour that the Son of Man cometh. And you say, well, why uh, you know, would people in the last days fall from their faith? Well, because no wonder they will. They can't buy or sell without the mark that they have to take while they're stuck in their tribulation. Most of them won't make it. They just won't make it. And I'm going to read some scriptures here uh, about their, about the rapture. Oh, and another thing that people like to say, too, it's people like to say, "Well, rapture's not in the Bible." Well, you know, it's a a theological term to describe an event because it's a it says a catching away, which means it's snatched out. That's what it means. Okay, here's some uh, some scriptures about it. It's really interesting. Okay, First Thessalonians four verse sixteen. Through eighteen, Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, Then we which are alive and shall remain and remain shall be caught up together. There's your rapture snatched out. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, just think that. You're going up to the clouds to meet the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That means you won't come back. Okay, Luke 21, 35. And for a snare, it shall come unto all them that dwell on the face of the earth. What is a snare? A snare is a trap. What is a trap? A tribulation trap. Because once the tribulation, once you've left behind and you're in the tribulation, you're in a trap. You cannot get out. So watch thee therefore, and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape. Escape what? If you're supposed to go through the tribulation, why are you uh why are you trying to escape? Because you're trying to escape. All these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. See? And these are some more things that are important that people usually don't think about is if it's if, uh, if rapture all the saints, uh, if all of the saints uh, stay and they slay all the ungodly, no, if they rapture all the saints, they come back and slay all the ungodly, then who will be left to populate the earth during the millennial reign? You know, First Thessalonians 5.9 says, God has not appointed us to wrath because He reserves His wrath for His enemy. I'm not God's enemy. And people say, oh, the Bible says it's persecution. You know, persecution is not wrath. We all go through persecution. But it's not wrath. God says that He has to shorten the time for any flesh to be saved, to be left Because of God's wrath. And you know a lot of people get. The appearing. In the second coming. Mixed up. Because he appears in the clouds. But in the second coming. He comes. And he lands. He comes back with 10,000 of the saints. He lands. On the Mount of Olives. And it splits. That's what people. Don't understand. If you talk about the mid, the mid, that doesn't fit either. Uh, we would rise up in the air to meet the Lord, then do a U-turn and come back to the earth. That makes no sense. Revelation seven states that Christ will appear out of the clouds and come to the earth. Zechariah 14.4 says, His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. If He's already headed our way, why would he need to be caught up why would we need to be caught up with him it only makes sense if it's a pre-trip rapture. you know this uh revelation or it's a mystery is what is considered the apostle paul you remember when they were going to kill him he escaped in a basket he went to the desert he was in the desert for 3 years he was given, and they say it, it might even been by Jesus. He was given seven mysteries for the church. That's not for the people that lived in that day. It's for the church. It's for the future. That's where some of these mysteries were sealed until the last days. That's why we know about it now. And if you go back and you look at all of uh, Paul's epistles or books, People like to call them books. First and Second Thessalonians were the first two books because it's not in chronological order. Just you can Google it; you can see the dates when they were uh, written, and you'll see what I'm talking about. You know, the tribulation time is the time of Jacob's trouble. That's Israel. God's wrath is to cleanse the earth of sinners, not His church. God always provided a way out for the people that loved Him. You know, Lot and his, and his family. Noah and the ark. It's a lot of different. Even Enoch was translated. He was raptured. So, it's just, you know, you just have to dig down in here deeper. Okay, the the next uh, destructive doctrine, and that's number eight, that would be we're not bound by the Old Testament law because Jesus came to do away with the law. You've heard that. Well, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. You need both. It's a complete book to have both. You know, this is how you can understand this. And uh, you have to break it down in law. There's three types of law. You have the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the civil law. So it's not just one kind of law. The moral law is the same. The Ten Commandments, it's a sin to kill. You should not have any gods before me. It's a sin to covet. Those are the moral law. That's still in play today, and it's still in the Old Testament as well. You have the ceremonial laws, that's the clean clean and unclean things to eat. That's the lamb sacrifices. Well, we don't do that anymore because Jesus was our sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. And the third type was civil, that's public health, caring for the poor. These laws are for the nation of Israel to thrive during their history. You know, although we're not obligated to do these things, Jesus fulfilled them, and we could you know learn from some of them as well. so some of these laws do apply to us, and you know, like I said, Ten Commandments are still in the New Testament, and it's a direct disobedience to God if we're not doing if we're not trying to do it as much as we possibly can, number nine for destructive doctrine, is we're taking Israel's place. The Christians are taking Israel's place. It's replacement theology. Romans 11, 1 and 2 talks about it. Israel is the apple of God's eye. Uh, You know, Israel is only blindness in part. It's temporary. God says that all, He would have it that all Israel will be saved. God does not cast away his people. You know, you curse yourself when you go against Israel. That's what the Bible says. I will bless those that bless Israel. I will curse those that curse Israel. Well, you know, I'm not going to curse Israel because I choose to be blessed. And, you know, it, the 70th uh, anniversary of Israel. And... Uh, President Trump going over there and putting the embassy over, that's wonderful because America will be blessed for that. And it talks about Israel and Zechariah as well. Now the final uh, destructive doctrine that I'm going to talk about is gifts of the Spirit are a thing of the past. Well, you know, that's not true because we need gifts. As believers, we need them for tools, For the greatest harvest that's coming, you know, the fields are white. We need authority and power, and we need the proper weapons to go against the enemy. Uh, The Holy Spirit gives you gifts. Everyone gets a couple of gifts. And, you know, you can even ask for certain gifts. God loves to give you the desires of your heart. He absolutely does. And it's so very, very important. Well, this is the time in the show that I like to give everyone an opportunity to get in right standing with God. If you've never taken the step toward salvation, or if you have but you drifted away, or you may be in a backslidden state and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, agree with me now in your heart and your spirit, Father God. I'm a sinner, and forgive me for all my sins. I believe that Jesus is your son. He died on the cross and rose again. I need you, Lord, as my Savior and Lord of my life. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Praise God If you made this decision. All the angels in heaven are rejoicing, and your family members in heaven are rejoicing too. You have made the best decision in your life, and you will never regret it. Only that you didn't do it sooner. Amen and amen. Welcome to the royal family. You are on the winning side. Praise God. To God be all the glory. Now that you know the truth, let it empower your life. I'd like to thank you for joining me for this program. I hope it's been a blessing for you. Join me next week for another empowering and bold topic. You know, Proverbs 28 1 says, The righteous are bold as a lion. You know, boldness is not a personality trait, but acting by the power of the Holy Spirit, by urgent conviction in the face of some threat. If you're not bold, pray for a spirit of boldness to come about you. Uh, you can get my books on any online venue. You can contact me through my email at ltimbs, T-I-M-B-S, at gmail.com. Send any questions that you might have, or any prayer requests. If you would like to be interviewed, uh, you can contact me, or contact the uh, channel, and uh, we'll see what we can get you on here. And I will be honored to pray for you, and I'm also available for speaking engagements as well. Until next time, God bless you, and Shalom.